I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. Welcome back to Song vs. Song. And uh, this uh, this week we got one apparently people really lit up for because we got a lot of votes on this one. I saw that. It, can, it didn't come at first, but yeah. then all of a the sudden they came by the hundreds and hundreds. I, eventually and, there's going to be one that gets thousands. I can't wait for that. But this got more, I yeah. think, than anything we've ever had before. Yeah, we are, you know, who knows? We are a growing podcast. That's Tune how it in now. Works. Tell your friends. Wow. <laughs> we should tell you what the songs are, I guess. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I, I picked for this one. This is one I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, With or Without You by U2, smash hit from 1987, versus Every Breath You Take by The Police from 1983. Okay, so uh, so when you decided that you were going to do it, you said the words out loud to me last week. What was your your gut instinct? What was the one that you leaned towards immediately? Uh, You know, I don't remember what I said. And honestly, these two songs are just like, top tier great songs that I, you know, there's not a whole lot of distance between them, but it, you know, sitting here right now, I would go with every breath you take. Oh, that's what I, that's, yeah, that's where I went too. Oh, we were, we were, uh, aligned on this one. So we'll see, we'll we'll see see where where it goes. This is interesting. So, uh, yes, there's, this is a minor change. You'll see as we go, the podcast is going to be a little bit more structured, a little bit different this time, but this is different in one way immediately, which is that we've now both picked the same song. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, for you, why A, why was it Every Breath You Take, and B, why wasn't it With or Without You? You know, I feel like I should say why I, I picked these songs. I don't know, like, like these are both, like, top-tier songs by bands that are, like, two bands that are considered, like, the greatest acts of the 80s. And they were, like, rock bands in a time when, you know, the big pop MTV, they were big pop stars, too, in the big MTV era, the big 80s. And they both have that same ba- kind of baseline to it, and they're kind of at the same tempo. It was like do 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 do. Why did I uh, pick every breath you take? I don't know. Just something about that perfect structure to it. Like every noun you verb, every other noun you other verb. It's just like a very classic pop song. It just kind of really speaks to me as just like this unbearably romantic angst song. And yes, I know what what every breath you take is, is about. So don't you know? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, yeah, it had not really occurred to me. But yeah, I guess every breath you take is a great Mad Lib, <laughs> just waiting to happen. Um, we'll have to write it up. <laughs> every yard, every yard you rake. Wow, nice. Is that is that a one that already existed, or did you just pull that one right out? Just living oh, that suburban could, life on the inside of your brain. No, I I, I think we could do, do more. I I did just come up with that every uh cake you bake mm. <laughs> you're getting warmer we're headed yeah. towards what i want out of life that's actually a better song instantaneously <laughs> uh i do love cake uh okay so uh i'm gonna tell you why i didn't go with with or without you how about mm-hmm. that okay joshua tree is this is a is an album with uh three Hit singles. Humongous singles, yes, off of that. Enormous singles. Where the streets have no name. Right. Uh, Still haven't found what I'm I'm looking looking for. And With or Without You. Mm -hmm. They are the same fucking song. No, they're not. They absolutely are. The common wisdom is correct on this. (laughs) Those songs are all the goddamn same. You know what I mean? I'm just like, here's the deal. I'm walking down where the streets have no name. Mm -hmm. 
because I still <laughs> haven't found what I'm looking for. Why? Why haven't you? Uh, I don't know, but however, Is I figured it because out you can't live with or with or without you. I mean, I'll do it with or without you for sure. Anyway, yeah, I that's so my beef always has been, and uh, and as I've done more research into this, it's actually going to bear some interesting fruit a little bit later on. But yeah, like those songs are the same song, and Good. a lot of U two songs are that song. So, and of the th- at least the, at least they're eighties stuff at the very and the th- of the three of them. I actually, with or without you, is my least favorite. Oh, with or without you is my most favorite. If I well, it was the biggest hit of the three. Yeah. So you're you're right on the pop charts there, but uh, I definitely lean more towards where the streets have no name. Mm. Um, that was the one that I, I think like. they're trying to shut us down. <laughs> I prefer that song. There's something about it that works a little better for me, that builds a little better for me. With or without you, it just feels a little one way the whole way through for me. And uh, conversely, uh, I just, yeah, I mean, every breath you take, and there's research that will bear this out, I just think it's a better song. I just think it's <laughs> research. a- Research? Well, in a way, in a way. You'll see what I mean. Um, the thing that I'll, I'm going to talk about, I don't know how much meaning it truly has, but there is there is a, a metric that one could use to say that it is a better song. But I think that it's just, it's got a better mood. I can tell what it's about. There's, you know, is there's a I, real- I feel like With or Without You is pretty plain in what it means. I don't know. I just think it's more effective, put it yeah. that way. But really, my question to you, Todd, mm-hmm. is who is worse? <laughs> who is worse? Bono or Sting? Because that's the <laughs> other half of this, isn't it? Isn't, isn't that the really the conversation is, who do you hate less? <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about- uh, the, both of these bands at their absolute peak. Well, but, I mean, yes, technically synchronicity is. I mean, that was the moment of both highest boom and quickest bust yeah. for the police. That's that's where their story ends. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're their biggest album, their commercial peak, and uh, they're arguably their critical peak. For with the police, it's less clear, but like, yeah, it's interesting. In in hindsight, I think people are a little more critical of Synchronicity. Joshua Tree is the album where you two, which had been absolutely uh, enormous in the rest of the world, finally had really gotten their foothold completely in the United States. That was yeah. that was the big U.S. success album. I think our, Joshua Tree was bigger in America than than any other place in Europe or anything like that. Like suddenly, they and by they were, and by design, it was supposed to be. It was they, oh yeah, they, were, they were thinking album. about it. Yeah, quote American yeah. album. We'll talk about that too. Yeah. But yeah, so my my instinct was um, a that I just thought that uh, every Beth you take was a better song, and b the with or without you sounds too much like them other two songs, and c I hate Bono more than I hate Sting. <laughs> That's it. You know, I, I feel like the the Bono and you know being annoying thing and the Sting being annoying thing are a little overdone. Honestly, mm. I never really bothered. They never really bothered me that much. And you know, I said this before the podcast. I did see Rattle and Hum. I know where it comes from. Like, well, you say that, yeah. But I'll tell you something. Oh, uh, you, you're not going to tell me a lot that surprises me about Bono. Let's say. Okay. Well, yeah. I might say some things that'll surprise you about Sting. I because uh, I truly. And this will come later in the podcast. Yeah. Sat down, and my primary research for this episode was <laughs> to Google why do people hate Bono and why do people hate Sting. <laughs> that was it. I should have also Googled who's worse, Bono or Sting, just to see if I got anything off of that. But those, I'm sorry, I'm completely unprepared in this regard. But yeah, I did the two to find out, and there were lots of articles. 
about why people hate Bono and about why people hate Sting. It's, there are reasons. Well, you know, like, like I was trying to say, like, if you had said this in 1983 about Sting or 1987 about Bono, people, you would have, like what? What are you talking about? Look at you, you fucking hipster! You, you was like got to bring down like the greatest rock stars of our time, like because they were these were both like humongously critically acclaimed, critically acclaimed, and humongously commercially popular. They were like the consensus picks for everybody. Like Sting in 1983 was like the hippest guy around. He was so smart and so cool and so literate and all that. In 1987, when every all the the synth pop was going on. And like this is like the synth pop that had turned into a, like adult contemporary. So Bono and the entirety of U2 was like bringing soul back to rock and roll and being serious in the stupid glam 80s. And he was like the Irish Springsteen. Yeah, I'm sure that Bono felt that way about Bono. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that Sting felt that way about Sting. And, the, but and like, therein lies the problem. Like, now, if you'd said this about Sting in 1985 and Bono in 1988... You would have had like a serious contingent by that point who would agree with you. Yes, Sting and Bono kind of suck. Okay. Yeah. So we got to earn that. Okay. I'm just saying that that was part of my uh, my initial thinking was mm-hmm. that I hated one less on instinct. Mm-hmm. But who knows after all the research <laughs> if maybe I flipped and flopped and now I hate Sting more. Uh, it could go either way. I'm just a mean little bitch. So, uh, before we get to that, let's talk about uh, the actual Song? songs. Yeah. Okay. So you did some research. One assumes on both of these songs. Yes. Let's 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 do some songfacts.com. What what, <laughs> do, you, what do you got? You know, I said you know with or without you, it's easy to tell what it's about because you know I can't live with or without you. Like we we all have relationship experience. We know what that means. Like. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you, but when we are apart, <laughs> I feel it too. So no matter what you do, you feel that, you know, Sync was kind of the U2 of the 90s, really. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard it. Let me tell you something. Bono uh, can't dance, and he, and he, and, and he can't uh, wa- walk. Wait, there's a talk. Oh, it's, I, it's I talk. Can't talk. Wow, we're, we're jumping all over the 90s now. It was a great opportunity for him to uh, go to the Collins place. Yeah. Let's have Bono sing that one. You know, Bono never went to the Phil Collins place. Sting did. Oh, gosh. That's right. And, well, Bono went to the Sting place. Um, That's actually where Joshua Tree kind of came from. They were really struggling with that record, and they were out doing a bunch of, uh, you know, those mini tours and and Mm -hmm. these events that were either to raise money or raise awareness. And uh, they were doing this thing called the Conspiracy of Hope, which I think was like a mini tour of like six things. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were out there playing with a bunch of other bands. And one of the bands that they were playing with was the police. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I guess they would be playing with Sting at the time. At that point, it would have just been Sting. We're talking about like mid 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been, yeah, 86. So it would have been Mm -hmm. after the fact. But yeah, Sting was out doing this stuff, doing this uh, Conspiracy of Hope mini tour, and YouTube was also on the tour, and they played together, and apparently um, that had an influence on Bono and The Edge and everybody else in figuring out what Joshua Tree was going to be because they had started recording it, mm-hmm. and then they went on break because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and they did all this stuff, but one of these things that they did was go on and do these tours and uh, do these events and playing with other people helped them figure out where they wanted to go. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, th- th- that record did take quite a bit of time because uh, U2 had put out the first album in 1980 and between, like, I think they had, like, four albums in five years. 
Yeah, it was pretty quick because it, it was a uh, boy war, uh, boy October war, war and uh, the one with pride and the name of love on it. Uh, uh, unforgettable fire. There you go. Yeah. yeah, they all came out in pretty rapid succession. Yeah, and uh, they they were nothing in America at the time. They I think pride in the name of love. I, I cracked the top forty, but that was it. So Sunday, Bloody Sunday, or I Will Follow, or New Year's Day, uh, they got nothing out of those. They were strictly a, a European thing at the time. Kind of wild in hindsight. <laughs> I mean, those are good songs. Yeah, they are. You know, I, I guess uh, post-punk ha- had not really uh, caught on in the States. Yeah, I guess that's fair. We were and, too busy with the, with, the, with the shoulder pads and the... <laughs> yeah. And uh, killing the, the, the radio star with, with the video and such. Yeah, and uh, hair metal. We, we, we were into hair. I don't know, hair metal had quite caught on yet. Uh, mook metal, like I mean, uh, mook hard rock, like Journey and Sticks, were still all the rage. We were not hip enough in America. I mean, for regardless, Bob's yeah. got plenty of hair. Oh yes, he was a ha- a hair band, I guess. He was a hairy guy. He had a giant mullet in the in that Sunday Bloody Sunday video. Yes, he did. <laughs> all right, so okay. uh, so that's they make, that. They make Joshua Tree. It's just their uh, big soulful album, big American album. They recorded out in the desert somewhere where they have actual Joshua trees. But also, they went to Africa, too. That was another thing that oh, happened. Oh, did they? Yep. That was the beginning of that stuff, uh, of of Bono being interested in saving Africa. It's that great white hope that everybody loves so much. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that all kind of started around there. And, uh, yeah. Oh, man, and that, speaking of Africa, is that what we know knew Bono from in America? Uh, Tonight, thank God it's them oh. instead of you. Please stop. <laughs> I beg. Uh, but... Yeah, so that was a thing that was happening. And another thing that was happening at the same time when they were recording that record, Bono was writing some bad lyrics. Did you know that? What do you mean? As in, he wrote lyrics for these songs Mm -hmm. and band and the producers hated the lyrics (laughs) and made him rewrite the lyrics. Well, I did read that- For almost every song. Well, I did read that With or Without You was like the middle of like a trilogy of songs. yeah. Uh, and the other two songs are blank and blank because they were not ever recorded or released. And uh, I think Bono said something was like, I didn't think the song worked without the other two songs, but I, I guess it works fine. That unbelievably generic song, With or Without You? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, how will I ever get it? Well, maybe it was. Maybe he thought it would be less generic without the, uh, the, the rest of the suite. Maybe. Look, here's what I know. And this is going to lead into the the, the the Bono hate eventually. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he made this big thing about the fact that he was writing about the duality of America. <laughs> you know, oh, you know, I've, I went to America and I discovered <gasps> there are two Americas. And I thought, wow, really? North and South? Brother against brother? Really, Bono, you've fucking done it again. <laughs> You I'm going to go to Ireland and make the same observation. Like, it's like they're two entirely different sections. Like, eat <laughs> shit, Bono. Come on. It's just, I I appreciate that, you know, he came in and, and thought that he was mm. really getting it. And, you know, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely, there's, I mean, there's more than two distinct Americas. Maybe in the 1980s, you could really boil it down to two. There's about 10 billion of us now. Yeah. Uh, everybody's their own nation. But uh, it, yeah, I just don't think that that really is a huge revelation. And also, um, listening to the singles, uh, not unlike a certain Madonna album, 
this American Life, right? That's the name of oh, that one. That American Life, yeah. American Life. There you go. That's I said the name of a podcast instead because we're on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so American Life was supposed to be about politics and wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, these this album was supposed to be very political. But if you're going by the the pop songs, the ones that charted, yeah. What the fuck is it about? Not that. <laughs> There's nothing about the duality of America in that shit. No, it's just a bunch of goofy-ass tunes with a lot of... <laughs> That's why they all sound the same. Well, you know, like, talking about Bono struggling over his lyrics, there isn't really a lot of that, you know, and The Joshua Tree is actually not my personal favorite uh, U2 album. Wait, what is your favorite U2 album? I guess Octung Baby with the other obvious one, but... Okay. You know, here actually, a funny story, I... I the first, this was like the first U2 song I ever heard, and I thought I was like, I really loved it because I thought it, the lyric was, I can live with or without you. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, what a dick thing to say. I like this. Is, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Well, that's awesome. I think that is a better song. Um, <laughs> wait, what's the song you like of Octoon Baby? Is it one? Well, yes. I Well, I like all the songs off of Octoon Baby. Oh, okay. One is the one is the is my, is my second favorite U2 song. What's your favorite? It's Sunday by Sunday. I mean, not to be yeah. too, not to be too obvious about it. That has always stuck out as their best work for me. Yeah, but you know, as far as I know, with or without you is the most explicitly unpolitical uh, song, maybe of the the entire album. Like you, you know what that's about, and it's explicitly not about politics. It's about Bono and his marriage, which is, I guess, was in a rough place at the time. Actually, kind of finding that out, kind of makes the, the the song a little worse for me. I Like, I wish I didn't know this. Yes, I also <laughs> wish I didn't know that Bono's whole thing was, well, on the one, and speaking of duality, <laughs> that he had this marriage that he felt indebted to and that he was happy about, but also he would go out on tour and there were a lot of hot women. That's mm-hmm. really, I mean, he tried to find a Bono way of saying it, <laughs> but what he really meant was, I want to fuck my wife, but also I want to fuck all of them over there too. And that is not It's so mundane. <laughs> it's just the most it's it's like, I don't know, man. Go to a go to a marriage therapist and either figure out a way to be monogamous or open up. I don't know what to tell you. That's not an album. Yeah. That's 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 you're talking about being poly and I tell you, but yeah, in the nineteen eighties it seemed really crass and now it seems predictable as hell. You seem yeah. like every white guy in twenty nineteen, Bono. Well, you know, he talks about it in hindsight. He was like was I worrying about? It's like, yes, I can still talk to women. Like, I don't have to like lock myself in my room and be miserable all the time. Like, but like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever guess that listening to the song itself. I guess it kind of appreciate Bono's skill with lyrics more after that. Like, he turned something that stupid and mundane into you know, sleight of hand and twist of fate. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. It sounds so stupid when you know what it's about, but yes. Uh, and interestingly. Uh, and a kind of parallel, um, Every Breath You Take, also kind of about that. Yes, that one didn't end so happily, though. Bono is still married to his wife, I believe. Yeah, well, I mean, Sting was leaving his wife for his wife's neighbor, right? Wasn't that the deal? Is it like that? Like it was his wife's friend who lived nearby? That's who he left his first wife for, his second wife? I don't, I don't know the details of that one. I believe that's the story. And then he was very angry at how it had turned out. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't really well respected by people because, he, you know, he's a public figure. So yeah. there's, there's no hiding what happened that he ditched his wife for a friend of his wife's <laughs> doesn't make him seem like a very nice guy. So he went uh, yeah. and, and hid in 
he hid someplace. He had he had what was it like Jamaica or the Caribbean or something? Jamaica, yeah, it was Jamaica. So, so he went to Jamaica and sat at Ian Fleming's desk. <laughs> yes, where where Ian Fleming wrote all all the James Bond novels. Yep, and uh, and it was there that he wrote this song um, because he was so angry and frustrated. It seemed at first like he was writing a love song, but then he realized that he was being a dick, and then he just decided to embrace it. You know, it's a it's a funny thing. Like this was not the stalking song for a good two decades. It's, and now so, it's a, so yeah. Here's my question to you: Do you really think that he knew? Do you, Do you think that Sting understood that he'd written a stalking song, and oh. and truly was laughing all the way that so many people had made it their wedding song for years after that? I, or, I, or like, did he know? Or did he really? Was he so thick that he didn't realize that he'd written that? No, I think he knew. I think he knew. Like. You know, I've I've seen like all the VH1 documentaries where he sat down. I was like, wrote this out. I was like, eh, that sounds like a hit. But <laughs> <laughs> no, those were exact his exact words about how he wrote. It was like, mm, I think this one came out pretty well. And you know, he does laugh about it. He d- has laughed about. It. He's like, like, oh, I made this my wedding. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's hard to. Um Feel a lot of compassion for the guy writing that song, though. Um, when he left his own wife, yeah, to go be with his wife's friend, uh, it's kind of a weird move. But uh, yeah, I think I, the other thing that's interesting about that song is that it wouldn't be anything on its own. Like that's a song that if Sting had been without the police, uh-huh. which to we, really keep in mind, like during, like, this, and we can prove this empirically yes, because yes. by what he's written afterwards. Yeah, but the thing about synchronicity is that by that point. They were fighting constantly. He yeah. was a massive control freak and a huge dick. It was pretty yeah. well known. And he's admitted to it in years since that he's yeah. been better about it. Or and, and then he said, at least I think I am, smirk. Jesus. So, yeah, his his whole thing during Synchronicity is that he was very pushy. But mm-hmm. uh, Every Breath You Take happened to be a song in which he had started and had written this thing that was all on a Hammond organ and it wasn't until the guitarist came through and figured out how to make it a guitar song that it became the thing that it was. Because if it, I mean, if it wasn't for that guitar line, the oh song my, would not a, be You a know, hit. the best guitar line of all time. And, uh, you know, it's a funny thing. I remember uh, Andy Summers kind of complaining when uh, I'll Be Missing You took off. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Andy's name is not on the credits of that song because he didn't write it. But he wrote that guitar line. Yes, that he did. That line is the song. Yes, like, it is. Shit, it's like, he was like, why am I not getting royalties from this? Like, this song is like almost entirely me. Yes, but then again, he's still getting the royalties off of the other, of the original. So yeah. he's doing fine. He can, he yeah, can, he can yeah, relax. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, like, he has like... Like, cry me a river. He has four mansions instead of five. Boo-hoo. But here's the thing that I was going to say about Every Breath You Take that I was alluding to when I said that it's... Uh, uh, and, and and by a certain metric, mm-hmm. a superior song. The thing about it is that it is recognized by BMI as the most played song in radio history. The most, wow. There is no song that has been played on the radio more than that song. But here's the caveat that I'll make to that making it the best song. And it's what had been the previous song which is... Is it You Light Up My Life? It is You've Lost That Love and Feeling. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's, you know, no, no. That this is, is brand a, new information, too, by the way. By, by, I mean, relatively brand new. This was the thing that was announced in May of 2019. Yeah. That's a, that's fascinating. Like, And 
for what it's worth, You've Lost That Love and Feeling is also an all-time classic. It's just not like not. You what wouldn't it, expect it to be the most played song in radio history. I don't know. That's kind of like stunning to me. I'm I can't really wrap my head around that one. It's a fact. Yeah. This is the reality is that um, Sting found this out. He got some kind of award for it. La-di-da. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the problem is that Sting is so Sting about these things. If you if you read interviews. That sounds like a hit. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a tendency to, um, if you read interviews with him, uh, he'll talk about how albums he's had have performed. Uh-huh. You know, like he'll put out a new record or like he'll, you know, like he did a song that was all like, what was it like, like a like a song for loot music or something? <laughs> that, that sounds right. Uh, and he's like, you know, a lot of people complain about the loot album, but you know that loot album sold a million records or whatever. And it's like, oh my god, fuck off, Sting. I, I want to say that's Ten Summers Tales, probably whatever. The one with uh, if I ever lose my faith in you on it. Is it? No, I think that was. I think the the, the all loot all the time came much later. Okay, I actually liked if I ever lose my faith. Yeah, that's in a you. good song. Was, that was like, the, if when I think about staying post-police, that's usually the one I think of. Well, you know, I, I want to say this about Every Breath You Take. It is an unbearably romantic song if you don't listen to the lyrics yep. or if you don't think about it. <laughs> and, you know, these days, like, for like 20 years, it was not the stalking song. And, like, once everyone kind of suddenly realized, I don't know, from osmosis from VH1 or however, like, once they realized, like, oh, wait, this is a creepy-ass song. It's like it, it's the switch suddenly flipped for everyone. Like it's like, oh, that's what this is about, and that's what it's known for now. In fact, I have a real. Every, dis- I don't know how people didn't listen to every <laughs> smile you fake, every claim you stake. I'll be watching. I'll you. be watching. That's like you know what you know what it is. You know what would have really cracked this case that people because they somehow didn't realize it at the time. Where was the William Shatner version of this song? <laughs> because did you ever listen to Mr. Tambourine Man? And think yeah. that that's a perfectly normal song, and then listen to the Captain Kirk version, yeah. where he's like, "In the jingle jangle morning, <laughs> I'll come following you." Genuinely, how Kirk delivers it, Kirk Shatner, how yeah. Shatner delivers it, and I just think if he had done "Every Breath You Take," people would have caught on a lot ser- sooner and been like, "Wow, Captain Kirk is right. This song is fucked." <laughs> I, I had a roommate in college. He was in the shower. He got out of the shower. He's, you know, I was like. Hey, Todd, you know that song, Every Breath You Take? It's like, yeah. Did you realize that that's a creepy song about stalking? It's like, yes, Josh, everyone knows this. How did you How did you miss this? You discover things in the shower, man. That's <laughs> it. It's not just like getting clean and masturbating. You also have big revelations in life. That's how showers work. If you So like to me, mm. if you're looking at these two songs back to back, you've got With or Without You with that... Uh, guitar effect that they used that became oh, the yeah. guitar effect. I don't want to discount Bono's contribution to this, but like that Edge's guitar, it is amazing on that song. It is so atmospheric and it is so good. And that's the interesting thing because I think that the success of both of these songs don't come from Bono or Sting, ultimately. They come from the guitar players of those <laughs> bands. Oh, which, yeah. is, which is fascinating. No one ever calls Andy Summers or... Uh, I guess they would call the Edge a guitar god, but they're not like the the big names of the the you know they're not the Van Halens or the but Joe the, but the popularity of the songs yeah you know I don't think that they would have existed you know you could say it pretty explicitly if you look at these stories of where these songs come from both of them it's we found the guitar part and then it was good 
Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, that is, was specifically part of the narrative for every breath you take. And for U2's entire career, it's like they they yeah. discovered, uh, I mean, they didn't discover somebody else came up with this way of playing the guitar, of like putting a magnet or whatever to create this infinite mm-hmm. sound. Um, and then the edge said, yep, guess I'll just use this forever. <laughs> and he did. Yes, he did. Both these songs feel like they've existed forever. They're just so like, perfect and timeless and almost basic, I want to say, because uh, With or Without You is is a four-chord song. That classic four chords, you know, the one, the five, the six, the four. Every Breath You Take has got that kind of classic structure, you know, every blank you blank, every other blank you other blank. There's a Led Zeppelin song that that uh, that that was an influence on that, and there was another, another guy who's, I can't think off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. There were two other songs that were both kind of somewhat basic in their execution, for who they were. I mean, considering it's Led Zeppelin, like yeah. Zeppelin's usually kind of atypical, but with Spun Song yeah. was. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine what, which Led Zeppelin song you're thinking of. Uh, I'll tell you what, I will look it up. Um, but what I will say is the following. I believe that uh, every breath you take, that walking guitar line, how that goes, to me, is more interesting and more creative then we put a magnet on this guitar and now it's like like I just I feel like they found a sound and they were like cool we'll use it forever whereas the other one was we figured out what the guitar part's gonna be and it literally made the song yeah let me let me it's say a Dire Maker by the way Dire Maker uh, by Led Zeppelin that does not sound as like a, a basic song to me <laughs> but I mean for for Zeppelin it's just a lot of him going oh Oh, 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 oh. Well, speaking of oh, 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 oh. Yes. You know, if you want to talk about Bono and Sting's contribution as a, you know, as musicians, as vocalists, yeah, I'm going to usually save the comments for the end. I just want to say this one. Uh, Christina Youngren writes, this pairing begs the question, which is more fun to sing at karaoke? You two all the way. Ah, man, that's a good point. Like, every breath you take... Takes that you know the stalkery baseline. It, it kind of rides it all the way in. There's like one part where it kind of breaks through, but then it calms back down. I mean, by design. Yes, with or without you, it's just like a slow build to when Bono just absolutely uh, explodes in his angst about not being able to talk to other women. I wish I didn't know that, but <laughs> but when when you uh, hit that oh that you know that's when the song really comes together. And uh, for what it's worth, I did go to karaoke bar last night and tried it out. Oh yeah, how how did it go? Um, I can hit that oh 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 if I'm not singing beforehand, but if oh, I okay. if I start there, but if I have to sing the entire song, I cannot hit that note. Like, All right, now we know this about you. But I I I did my best. It's time to talk about why Bono and Sting <laughs> suck. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give it to you real fast. All right. Primarily, people's beef with Bono, and it's pretty intense. It's worth noting that, uh, you know, you go to Dublin, a lot of statues there. A lot of, a lot of people that uh, Dublin's like. That's I've been our, to Dublin, yes. That's our boy. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that. You know what I mean? They're very attached to the people who are success stories coming out of Dublin. Mm-hmm. There ain't no fucking Bono statue. <laughs> but there is a lot of graffiti, apparently, that uh, says uh, Bono is a pox. <laughs> and a he, pox. A pox, P-O-X. Yeah. Here is perhaps why that is. Part of it is because for all of the good that he does, I mean, like, you know, the South Park common wisdom is that he does it for himself. 
It's like uh, it's like you never watch The Good Place. Yeah, he's Tahani. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his yeah. his his reasons are corrupt. He did it to 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 show everybody up. You know, he's he's a number two, and he really wants to be a number one. South Park, for all its flaws, I always thought really got Bottle's motivations really right. Yes, that always comes through. But uh, more interestingly, I think is the fact that he hung out with George W. Bush. <laughs> Oh, he he really and and, like, uh, and Tony Blair. He was buddies with both of them. I, I have a feeling like if Trump wanted his uh, opinion, he'd do it too, just because he likes being around p- powerful people. And that's that's so that's one thing. And then the other thing, which I didn't know until I did the research, because I remembered the the Tony Blair George W. Bush thing. He, he was like, "Oh man, they're listening to me." No, they're not. No. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that I didn't know was that so there's a law in Ireland wherein you know. If you're an artist, if you're a musician, uh, there's a limit to how much you get taxed, right? Mm-hmm. And the law was actually kind of open. So, you know, it was supposed to be for poor starving artists. But yeah. for a while, it really benefited U2, uh-huh. the extremely successful band uh, yeah. U2. And um, at some point, they in the, the mid-2000s, they changed the law. Yes. And so uh, U2 moved all of its money. <laughs> I'm aware. When people called them out on it. Uh, Bono basically said, listen, man, we still get taxed to death. Give us a break. The point was, for a guy who drapes himself in the fucking Irish flag, <laughs> none of the tax money is going to Ireland, you tool. <laughs> you know, and, and I understand that Ireland has kind of complex feelings about taxation anyway, but right. I do think it evolved over time, and I think that people got pretty cross about the fact oh, no. that, yeah, well, that that yeah. was happening and that's kind of legit i have to say of all of the things of all of the you know the he wears his sunglasses all the time isn't that annoying yeah um and god he helps people and aids people in africa with aids what a dick yeah. like, you know i mean he does a lot He's of good trying things. to save the world help people yeah but that kind what of does ass. stick out as, as as making him no a, they, this a, is a something i heard yeah I've, I've heard that one for a long time and i think people do have the right to be burned by that in any other rich person who uses their tax shelters, especially someone who supposedly believes in his country so much as Bono. Yep. Uh, now, now Sting, <laughs> I didn't know this. He didn't go to either of his parents' funerals because he was too busy being on tour. Oh, wow. Now, look, I understand that people have complex he wrote relationships a whole, He wrote a whole album parents. about his dad's death. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, well, he writes about death a lot. But yeah. So there's that. There's the thing that we talked about, which is that, you know, when he did Every Breath You Take... You know, he was, his reasons are kind of terrible. But Mm. the thing that's actually the thing that most people think about, I guess, which I also, again, did not know, Mm -hmm. is that Sting went and performed in Uzbekistan at the behest of the daughter of the despot dictator ruling Uzbekistan. And people came for him and said, what the fuck, dude? That's a, you're playing for a despot? And he said, well, look, you know, if you don't allow art to be brought into these countries just because they've got a bad ruler, then you're cutting them off. Mm-hmm. And then somebody pointed out the fact that the cost of the tickets was uh, four times more than most Uzbekistan <laughs> uh, people were, were making yeah. in a month. Both of these things are bad, but it's also both things that every other superstar is doing. I guess. I think it's just, I mean, look, they're just a pair of sanctimonious, pompous asses, and yeah. they don't really make a lot of effort to cover it up. You know, it's a funny thing. We like these, like I said, these songs were their commercial peak off the, you know, their 
their biggest song off their biggest albums. And then like just a year later, the police were dead and a uh, cop killer. Yes. Fuck it, the police. And you uh, two re- released that right afterward. They released rattle and hum with a big documentary. And they looked at themselves like, God, is this what we look like? We are miserable all the time. We hate each other and we are just no fun. And we look like total assholes. It's like, do we, should we break up? And they almost, I believe they almost did. Yes, it's weird. And I have to tell you, I kind of wish they had. And uh, I understand that eventually, you know, like we did get Octune Baby out of the deal. I also like Zuropa a lot. Wow. Zuropa has some good songs on there. You, you be quiet. Here's, here's <laughs> the deal. I'm not going to say that there's, there's, there's nothing good about no. Zuropa, but- there's this thing that happens with you too, which is that they basically spend two albums trying to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, they do Zuropa. Zuropa is definitely different from anything they put out before. Mm-hmm. They do pop. Jesus. <laughs> Just about as good as Instinct's pop, in fact. <laughs> wow. uh, I'm not actually sure which one's worse. Wow. Uh, but I will say that Discotech is probably my most hated uh, U2 single. I fucking hate that song. It is their I'm Back Bitch single. It is. A big, empty nothing of a song. And speaking of big, empty nothing, after they had done those two albums where they had no frigging clue what they were doing, and I think this also has an impact on With or Without You um, after the fact, they put out what I consider to be one of the most reprehensible, cash grab, retreading everything that you ever did before without any of the soul albums of all time, all that you can't leave behind. I, very few records wow. do I hate more than that one. You know, Beautiful I did th- Day sucks. Elevation sucks and stuck in a moment you can't get out of is arguably the worst song ever written. Wow, this I is hate a- that song. It is, I find it to be vile. Oh, this is a wow. This who knew? I listen. You picked those songs, take. and I knew that this is going to be a rough one. It was hot hard take. for me to research because I really do dislike you two so much because of that record. I hate it that much. Oh man, uh, "Beautiful Day" is an internal classic. I had that album. It is a little overrated. I. And, you know, you're not wrong to say it's a retread and just like them retreating into who they were when they were their biggest. No, that album's an eternal classic and everything about it is great. Wow. <laughs> All right. I'm just annoyed at you now. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for us to revisit this. Yeah. We'll do we'll do an album versus album at some point. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out what's another good retread record. Yeah. And we can talk about that. And, and I can be I'm sorry. Yeah. This is I, the rising there. Who <laughs> dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Speak ill of the boss in my house. <laughs> oh, I knew what a reaction that was going to get. Uh, all right. So what else did people have to say about these songs? Let's, I'm, I'm willing yeah. at this point to rethink things yeah. uh, if the people speak well, and they often do. Well, you know, I already said the one about the karaoke. And you the, did, and that was, a good, that was a good one. Simone K.O. says, I went for With or Without You. Weirdly enough, I feel like that song exists outside of time and space. It doesn't age. It is the Keanu Reeves of music. This isn't Doctor Who. <laughs> Next. No. no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. I, I get it. I, I mean, like, was it timeless prior to that? It's interesting. It's one of those things that has ripples, well, I it guess. Does, it doesn't really sound like anything other than the 80s. I mean, anything else in the 80s. It doesn't even really sound that much like Every Breath You Take, which is the song I picked to put it up against. Yes. Well, look, the worst thing about Every Breath You Take is Puff Daddy. Okay. And that's all I'll say on that. Ian Herman writes, every breath you take, I picked every breath you take for the worst possible reason. I am a huge I'll Be Missing You fan. <laughs> oh, the look you just made. Let me, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just backtrack for a second. <laughs> Puff Daddy 
is the worst rapper of the 90s and maybe the worst rapper of all time. Your opinion is terrible. Please keep <laughs> listening to the podcast. We appreciate your support. No, it's a funny thing. Uh, I, I actually listened to I'll Be Missing You with like for like really listening to it for the first time. I knew it existed. I'd heard it a billion times. I listened to it just the other day and I was like, oh my God, Puff Daddy cannot rap. His delivery is terrible. He's not even on the beat. Yes, he's, yes, I, 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 we talked about this. He's got no this, rhythm at all. And I said that he was so close to being uh, one of those guys that goes, well, my name is Buff Daddy, and I'm here to say. <laughs> That's, you know, it was Well, really, if he did that, he'd probably at least be on the beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, anyway, what else? Yeah. What else you got? That's not Someone really moving says, me. Uh, discussing the personalities of Sting and Bono is like asking, would you rather inhale a drain pipe full of wasps or bees? Bees, obviously. <laughs> Well, B- in, B- bees at least have a goal other than to sting you and suck. Well, I guess uh, the bees would be sting. I guess they'd both be sting. And uh, bon- Bono's more like flies, really, because he's got those glasses. He's the fly. That look, you, you're making a lot of faces today, man. What else have you got? I think I remember something on VH1 where they interviewed Sting about every breath you take for some kind of top 100 list. And he said it was about the kind of love you would really kill for. And when asked if he was serious, he just laughed very creepily. So uh, I'm going to have to say murder is wrong. But what if it's Sting? You're, no, um, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, yeah, yes. Every a poop bo- you take. A very bold claim, murder is wrong. I yes, appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that you said it. Yes. It, is, it is actually just a general rule of thumb for Song versus Song, the podcast. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know how Fight Club has its rules? Song versus Song has its rules. And rule one is murder is wrong. Next up, Hey Joe versus, uh, I don't know, Kim by Eminem. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, that was by Nato Kitsch. Thank you, Nato Kitsch, for your... Thank you. Yes. Shy Belfer writes, I call these Albanian department store songs. <laughs> that, that is, you can be dropped off in the middle of nowhere, anywhere on the planet, such as, I assume, an Albanian department store, and a replace with a PA, and if they have a Western song on it, it will probably be one of these two songs. Shy Belfer, yours, yours is the comment of the episode. That's my favorite <laughs> one. That was good, and that I believe that. You know, there are certain. I feel like there are certain songs that no matter where you are, like yeah. you'll just it'll randomly just be on in the background. I yeah. think that's legit. I don't. That doesn't put me closer to picking one song over the other, but that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. Thank you, sir, for your comment, or, right. or madam. One last uh, comment I thought was interesting from Rex Crumb says, uh, these are both two songs when I was in high school and early college, I thought were the epitome of rock music. And now after hearing each song approximately 11 bazillion times over the past three plus decades and thinking about how rich thing and Bono have gotten off these songs, I want to light myself on fire anytime either of them comes on. And, you know, that's a, you know, I still love these songs to, to death, but. Uh, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. The overplay on these songs is pretty insane. Like yeah, if, I mean, if you I want mean, to say you were tired of it now, I, I totally get it. But if I were existing in 1983 slash 1987, I would be like, yes, America has finally gotten it right. <laughs> my, my, my response to that is, uh, as it always is, is Eat the Rich <laughs> by Aerosmith. It's a fine song. I, I've gotten uh, resigned to the fact that all my idols are probably terrible people in person. <laughs> I mean, I we're, I mean, we're probably terrible person, terrible people in real life. Yeah, 
I'm a terrible person on this podcast. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Usually this podcast is very upbeat. I think this is the most negative I've ever been, and I, this will be a real rarity, about, I promise. About these two 10 out of 10 songs. Yes, but, if you say so. I, I do say so. Okay. And, well, you know, uh, like, tell me tell me this. You were watching the, po- the poll. You saw it. It was super tight. Oh, no, like, I didn't. I never look. I never look at what the numbers oh, are. Man. I trust you to know what the numbers are. I checked in about when it had about half the votes it was. And it was literally even, literally 50-50. Okay, well, uh, listen, here's what I'm going to say to you. Before you reveal what that number is, uh-huh. having had this conversation, having listened to the comments, having listened to me be a complete prick about the whole thing, mm-hmm. are you still on the side of Sting or have you moved towards U2? Because you talked a lot about U2. I think I might have. Okay, so now we have finally reached... Our natural balance. <laughs> yes. I am still with every breath you take. You are now at with or without you. Uh, I just want to say, just, just give me a second, because I wrote down the vote totals, and I forgot to look up who won. So <laughs> I, I, I have the vote totals on here, but not the uh, the winner. Okay, there it is. Boy, I was going to guess which, which number was which, and I was going to get it wrong. Okay. At a total of 263 to 245, that is like a 52% to 48%. The winner is every breath you take. Woo! <laughs> yes. Uh, every win the you make. The shitty tantric guy won. <laughs> he outlasted Bono with his You know, I think music, Sting was his, joking the, about the, the whole the eight hours thing. I, it doesn't matter. You, you just know, I'm, I'm pretty just sure. Just don't say that stuff out loud. That's all. Is it, Keep is that, that inside. You know, he's playing a bass fiddle in that awesome video. Is that really a bass fiddle on the song? Because I don't think it is. I don't. I don't know. He does. He does use. Um, he does a lot of fretless bass stuff. I know that. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a good. That's a good result. I think yeah. is that the tightest it's ever been. Yes, I think that is the tightest it's that ever been. That was amazing. Thank you for your votes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your comments. I hope you enjoyed this new structure, despite how negative I was throughout <laughs> the entire ordeal. Uh, that's how it's going to be from now on. What's the next episode? The next episode. Oh boy, get ready for it. We are doing. Hey ya, by Outcast. Versus Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. It is truly, made, for me, this is way harder. Yeah. I don't, we're not going to say what we chose. I I think that I have a gut instinct on this one about where I'm leaning, but it's yeah. this is really difficult, and I'll tell you, um, after uh, having pointed out two episodes ago, I think it was, that uh, we uh, do too many white artists, <laughs> and then proceeded to do two of the whitest artists in the history of white music. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we're going to do something different. Uh, but yes, so if you want to know, you got to tune into the next episode. In the meantime, uh, the poll's going to go up on Patreon. You can vote, and you can also try and guess which way you think the two of us are going to go on this. Yeah. See how well you know us after listening to us for, what was it, 15 episodes or something like that? Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Uh, yeah. Almost a year, technically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do that, and then also keep in mind that you can support us on Patreon. $1 will get you access to the Patreon exclusive. The next episode that we're putting out, in fact, is a Patreon exclusive. Uh, It will be Blinded by the Light, which is a story about uh, a young Pakistani uh, poet and artist living in the UK, falling in love with the music of Bruce Bruce Springsteen. How big was Springsteen in the UK? I wonder. That's a great question. I look forward to finding out. So that'll be the next episode. So if you want to hear it again, 
only costs you a dollar. And for the patrons who are giving a dollar or more, thank you very much for your support. So much. That, I guess, is going to do it for this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everybody. So long. Bye. Bye.